Good morning. Please be seated. Good morning to everyone online. My name is Margarita. It is a joy and a pleasure to be with all of you this morning. Welcome to Renew. If you are visiting the first time, welcome back. If you've been here many, 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 many times. I will be reading our sermon scripture for this morning. Um, if you want to look it up, it is in Ezekiel, chapter 36, verses 26 through 27. We are in the New International Version. It will also be displayed on the screen. Give you a minute. Lord, as we read your word, that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The word of the Lord. There is Children's Church this morning. Um, if your child or children are between kinder and third grade, please meet me at the corner there and we can go downstairs together and we will return sometime during the last song. All the time. Thank you, thank you. So glad to have you guys here. And uh, just one more quick announcement. Um, well, you probably, whether it's at your work or at school or wherever, you've probably heard the word pivot, right? Some of us might be tired of the word pivot, but during our times of COVID, we're pivoting, we're pivoting, we're pivoting, we're pivoting. Uh, and um, my question is, if you keep pivoting, will you end up being in the same place as where you started? Okay. That was my announcement, my joke for the day. Um, but uh, that's all to say that we are, you know, we've been in person for a while, but also because, you know, because of vaccinations and all of that, um, more and more people, especially with kids, are starting to show up in person and come and if you notice, uh, seats are at a premium in our church, and that's exciting. It's like, whoa, what's happening? And so uh, one of the things uh, I'm going to announce is if a few people can stay behind after service, we have more pews downstairs that we, we'd like to bring up, maybe three pews. They're really heavy. Um, but we're going to like fill in the space a little more, make it symmetrical because it bothers me that it's asymmetrical. Um, so we're going to make it symmetrical and hopefully have more uh, chairs available. And the second thing is to be praying in general um, for our children's ministry. We have been volunteer led um, since our inception. Um, we have a lot of people that want to volunteer and help as aides but not a lot of people who want to like teach. So, um, and as you can see, kids are also uh, the thing, uh, the, the, like the biggest population in our church right now. So uh, we're, I'm just gonna ask for you guys to pray and think about and just pray, like what is God doing 
in our midst um, with children's ministry, with children's church, which is an exciting issue to have, right? So uh, life and laughter, I love it. Um, but we are in Ezekiel, and it's probably a very familiar verse to you. Maybe you have it on your wall or, you know, it's a life verse. It's inspirational to you. Um, it's about new life. And anything that says new, um, especially as a pastor of Renew, we're like, we're all about it. Our name is Renew. It has new in it. Um, and so Renew, we are... Um, Renewed by God for the renewal of our neighbors, um, meaning we believe God is in the work of transformation, um, renewing the world, renewing his people, renewing his church. And um, as we are here, coming as we are, coming with all of our baggage, all of our whatever, um, our history, our ailments, our shortcomings, um, in all of that we're feeling, uh, we say, come as you are. We say, come uh, because we're relational. We like to be authentic in this place. Um, we're center set, uh, which means it's where you are um, in relation to Christ in your journey and not you have to be something to be in this place. Amen. And so if you feel something different in this place, that's at, at the core of it. We want to... Um, really be honest uh, with what's going on in our lives, in our hearts, and uh, be honest with one another and be honest with God. Because um, why fake the funk on a nasty dunk? So all you Gen X people, <laughs> will be familiar with that. Um, where was I? Is there a slide there? <laughs> There's not a slide. Okay, that's fine. Just, just put the scripture, scripture up. Oh, yeah. That. And what's the next slide? Okay. <laughs> oh, the slide. Okay. What did I do on Thursday? Okay. <laughs> um, slides. Okay. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And you may hear it say, it said, right, once an eater always an eater, right? Once an eater, always an eater. You might have heard it differently, and it might have rhymed. Um, but once an eater, always an eater, basically meaning people don't change. And that's kind of like our street knowledge, right? People don't change. Once you're something, you know, you can never get out of that. We're very, in our, in our culture, in our society, very, um, what's the word I'm looking, cynical when it comes to change, right? And it's going to take a lot, a lot, a lot for me if I've messed up many times and in the same way messed up for people to trust me to do this thing again. Because history says you've done it. The other reason why we're cynical is because we see it, right, on the news and media Leader after leader, politician after politician, CEO after CEO, people in power, people who we've trusted with a lot of power and authority and money, people we've voted into office, failing, right? Even pastors and church leaders 
It seems influential leaders of big churches or small churches, whatever, people that we've put our trust in, in our, maybe in your own history at church, with church, we've been burned by people who have failed us or um, broken trust um, because of their actions, because of their choices. And, and so we've become cynical, like, man, What's going on? And I think, I think at the core of this cynicism, and at the core of maybe it's very realistic, a realistic take on people, a realistic take on our culture, like people are going to mess up, don't trust in general. And I think at the core of it is a, we focus on the externals, right? what we can do, what we're competent at, what we can control, what other people see, rather than thinking about life, thinking about our hearts and ourselves from the inside out. Does that make sense? From the inside out. And even as we're singing that last song, was it only you can do what you can do? Something like that was the lyric, right? Only God, only the Spirit of God can make change can transform. And I'm going to say that, yeah, that is the role of the Holy Spirit. That's what God does in lives. God transforms lives supernaturally. The Holy Spirit indwells our hearts, our spirits, and our souls. And trans true transformation, true renewal, true change change happens. And that's the good news. That's the gospel that we have the secret sauce. Amen. As believers, we have the secret sauce. We have the secret power. We have real change because real change doesn't happen. Right? Always, uh, once a sneezer, always a sneezer. <laughs> change doesn't happen. But we're here worshiping God, singing songs, because we do believe, or somewhere in our heart we believe that it's true, that only he can change. The spirit of the living God comes in us and heals, redeems, renews, restores, strengthens, empowers, gives voice, unleashes gifts. Amen? This is what happens. And if we don't believe this, then why are we here? Why are we here? We believe in the spirit of transformation. We believe that God is making things new. But everything around us tells us that everything is deteriorating, right? People are messed up. Systems are messed up. Nations are messed up. Businesses are messed up. Government is messed up. People are messed up. We're hurting each other. We're taking each other's lives. We're oppressing each other. So we should be hardened, right? We shouldn't expect goodness. But that's the Christian hope, amen? That we are part of good change, right? We are part of the good trouble that God is doing in our world to restore and renew and make 
a new heart, put a new spirit in us as individuals, and to remove the hearts of stone in all the people and give hearts of flesh. I will say that if you're a guitar player and you haven't played in a while and you start playing again, what happens with your fingers? They hurt, right? Because to play guitar well and for a long period of time and with endurance, you have to build, your fingers build up calluses, right? Otherwise it would hurt and you have calluses. If you have, if you're used to running around barefoot, right, on the rocks, in the grass, in the thorns, if you grew up, you know, in a rural area, maybe on the farm, or if you, you know, your childhood was in Hawaii, walking on lava rock like it was for me, right, your feet get hard on the bottom, right, calloused, and that's for survival, right, it's to protect your feet because you're in hostile ground, you're not just on carpet, lush carpet, you're on um, ground that could scratch you. So calluses and like, you know, hard feet, those are all things that your body does to adapt uh, to the environment around you um, in order to protect you. And so in some sense, hardening is an action, is, is one of uh, survival, one of protection. And the thing is that we also do that with our emotions and our feelings, right? Our hearts, because we need to protect ourselves. Like if I was completely sensitive and vulnerable in every situation, every minute and every second of the day, like I would just be a mess on the ground, right? If everything broke my heart and everything touched me to the core, I'd be like, <laughs> right? And, uh, which is, that's okay, but we gotta work, right? We gotta like get our families through life. We have to like, you know, fight the, fight the good fight and go against, you know, you know, hard things, the obstacles that come our way. So in a certain sense, we have to buck up, right? We're used to bucking up and dealing or girding ourselves up or strengthening ourselves. And so we do get calluses of the heart. As an aside, it's like, you know, in ancient days, in these biblical times, the heart was a center, right, of life, the, scent, the seat of the soul, of emotions, soul. And we kind of we feel that, right? We kind of, you know, I'm a brain person or I'm a heart person, meaning if I'm a heart person, I, I, have, I feel things, I'm emotional. My brain is the logical side. But actually, biologically, right, aren't our emotions, it's all controlled with our brain, right, <laughs> right? So, but it would be less, less poetic for me to, for the scripture to say, I am gonna give you a brain of flesh and take, remove the brain of stone from your head, right? <laughs> it's like, okay. So we say heart. So basically, that's what the scripture is saying. Your, your heart, the seed of your emotions, the seed of, uh, right, the essence of your life. And what happens when that essence, that seed of emotion and life is hardened by experience, right? I think in a lot of ways, some of us are like, it helps me get by, right? It helps me function because if I felt everything 
I wouldn't be able to function at all. Right? But I think the higher call or the call that we see Jesus make with his disciples, we see Jesus in his life modeling is how can you face the hard things and the difficult things and the oppressive things and the unjust things in our lives and still be vulnerable, right? Look at Jesus in Gethsemane, his prayer in Gethsemane. God, I don't want to do this. It's really painful. People are betraying me. I'm not liked. I'm about to be tortured. Take this cup away from me. I don't want to do it. But not my will, but yours will be done. And then Jesus on the cross, right? Right before his death, we know all about what he suffered, you know, the torture that he went through. But when he gives up his life, his spirit, um, to heaven, he's like, you know, he gives up his life and the life spirit goes out of him. He also says, you know, forgive these people, the people that are persecuting them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Like, the openness of heart to be able to love and extend grace to his tormentors, right? That's, that's Jesus. And so, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we are on a journey, right, you would say, to being more like Christ. The problem is that oftentimes when we think about change or being more like Jesus, we immediately go, huh! at least I do, right? Huh! That's what I do in all things. I want to be competent. I want to be able. I want to read the directions and get this right. Right? Tell me what to do. What is, I don't want to just know the path to get there. I want to be on the elite path, the perfect path. I don't want to just be in reading group C. This was me in kindergarten. I want to be in reading group A. Right? I want to be the kid they invite to the office to read announcements because you're such a good reader and invited to be a cross guard walking person, right? I was so jealous when George got to be a crosswalker person because only the responsible smart kids got that. I had the smart part thing down. I didn't have the responsible thing down, right? So I was like, ah! And he also got to read the announcements, right? So it's like that competition, right? Do it best. Do it right. Best quality. And so we focus on the externals. We focus on our circumstances too, right? If only my circumstances were different, my heart can be different. I would be more happy. I would be more relaxed. I would be, you know, in my element. I would be more open. I would be more hopeful. And so we think we can will ourselves or kind of calibrate our lives in order to make ourselves more open, in order to make our, ourselves have hearts of faith.
flesh in order to change, right? And I have empirical evidence that willing yourself to change, while, you know, very disciplined people can do it, and for a while you can do it, um, it's not, it's not like the ultimate way, because I've been trying to lose weight for 20 years now, <laughs> right? And I'm back at square one, right? We have our seasons. Yes, we're doing it. We're exercising. We're doing it. Oh, will it? But true transformation, true renewal, and true change happens from the inside out, right? Not from the outside in. And that's what we believe as Christians, that the Holy Spirit indwells us and God, right? God is the very power that makes change happen in us. Amen. Are you with me, church? When we first started Renew, it was mostly with post-college young adults. And you've probably read all the Pew research stats about young adults leaving the church in droves and not coming back because of various reasons, whether it's you know distrust in the institution of the church, um, a lack of you know raising up our kids or youth in the church with a with a solid foundation of faith, um, whatever it is, um, that's kind of why we started Renew. We started as a small group in my house of young adults who you know, had had a college fellowship, but couldn't find that at church and we're not going to church. So I was like, come meet, meet together and let's, let's build community because Christ Jesus wants to remain in relationship with you. Like community is really important. And, uh, and then we decided to become a church, right? And uh, here we are today. Um, but kind of the mission you know, the, the dream of Renew is we can renew people's passion to be the church. Not just to, like, fill the church, but to be the church. And as droves of droves of young people were like, we grew up in the church, we served in the church, I played on worship teams, you know, all through youth group, all through college. Now I'm burnt out. I just, it just... Anytime someone asks me, it's just like, right, just death. And somewhere along the line, we, we had to say, like, but that's not how it's supposed to be, right? Clearly. Clearly, that's not how it's supposed to be. So what does it look like to be this church, to renew what it means to be the church, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's not about the pews. It's not about like elder structures. It's not about this or that. It's about this like authentic faith from the inside out, right? Let's just get real. Let's get real, people. Let's be healthy in our pursuit of our faith. Right? It's not what you do. It's it's whose you are, who you are, and whose you are. Amen? And I feel like 
history, right? The church goes in cycles and stages. And even with our group here today gathering, it's like, we're clearly not post-college young adults. That's not like the main demographic. Some of us are, which is great. I love it. Uh, we've kind of aged, and that's probably because I've aged and <laughs> become more responsible and said more appropriate things from up front. Um, but <laughs> like, uh, we'll still be immature, so that's okay. God, God loves us. God loves me. Um, gosh, where was I? Um, I feel like the same question is there. Does God want to renew the church? Right? Because it wasn't, it wasn't just because the pandemic happened that people aren't coming back to church. Do you know that? People aren't coming back to church. That wasn't because of the pandemic. I think in a lot of ways, the pandemic was an excuse for people to transition and stop coming to church. Right? For various reasons, like, finally, we realized, man, look at what's going out in the world out there. Look at, you know, the injustices out there. Look at how we see the systems are messed up and how they hurt groups of people, but the church is just going on singing our songs. There's no lament. There's nothing. There's no voice of justice. There's no, oh, where would Jesus be in this situation? Where would Jesus be in this place? There's no, like, relevant uh, prophetic voice in our culture that the church is holy. We're just going on like everything's hallelujah and kumbaya when everything's burning around us. And so I think many of us were fed up. And like, this is a good time to like, no one expects me to come, so like, let's try something out. Or because a lot of churches went online, right? I can, in Seattle, Washington, join a service in Honolulu, Hawaii, right? I, and I can join it, you know, uh, well, if I'm on the East Coast, I can join, you know, a service on the West Coast and, you know, still wake up later, right? It's like time and geography didn't matter. So I think a lot of people were like, or, you know, diversity, we could go anywhere and we can receive from a diverse, diverse group of voices, right? I can listen to a black pastor, an Asian pastor, or, you know, I can worship alongside these different groups of people. And so the pandemic gave us that opportunity as well. But the question still remains, am I, are we ready to pivot? <laughs> to what God has for the church next, right? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't think Jesus or God is saying, no church, right? Like, church, get out. It's completely gonna, we're gonna do church on the blockchain. It's gonna be completely decentralized, right? 
or like whatever, in the metaverse. It's going to be church in the metaverse. Yeah. I think there's, because we're human and we are wanting to have hearts of flesh, we still need to be face to face. We still need to be in community. We still need to wrestle with scripture as a group and be sharpened by other perspectives. We still need to lift our voices together, right? A diversity of voices coming together as one voice of praise, right? Like what are the non-negotiables? We learned, uh, like, do you have to be, over the pandemic, do you have to be present to do communion? Like, that was a huge argument, like, uh, among a lot of churches. So we just can't do communion. There's no cyber communion. What? If the real body of Jesus can be in this little wafer that I bought from Fred Meyer, (laughs) like, clearly... The presence of Jesus can be go through the internet. <laughs> right? We can disagree. It's fine. You can, you can email me later and we'll talk more deeply about that transubstantiation or whatever. Um, those, are the, those are the things. Like, what are the non-negotiables? Like, what is church? And really what we came out of the time is, who is church? You know, we are the church. And you heard it in those beginning days, the church never closes, right? We're not a building. All of the stuff that, you know, kind of the missional church movements, the emerging church movements have been saying, the parachurch has been saying over and over for years, like, the church is not a building, the church is not a building, right? And uh, yeah, we are the church. And kind of holding on to that which is truly sacred. And we're still figuring that out together, right? What is sacred? What is, what is non-negotiable? And that's why I think a lot of us are here because we're wondering that, if you're new, what, what, is it, what does the church look like now? But I think in order to move forward, in order to jump in with our full hearts, it takes a mourning, right? It takes this real work of transition of God, the prophet, saying, I want to take your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Because you know, in Korean, you call it, we call it bijoso, right? When you're in such a bad mood, whatever anyone says, you're like, shut up, go away, shut up. No, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it because you're in a bad mood. Or like if you're hangry, right? Nothing's going to satisfy you. You're just, your heart is just clenched. <laughs> your heart of stone, essentially, right? Urgh! Go away from me. There's two times that I'm like this. When I wake up from a daytime nap, because I'm a morning person, so when I wake up in the morning, I'm happy and my family's annoyed. But when I take a daytime, when I fall asleep in the afternoon and wake up, I want to bite people's, I bite people's head out. And then the other time, sorry, I'm okay, you can wake me up, it's okay. 
you can approach me. <laughs> the other time is when I'm hangry, right? A low blood sugar and I haven't eaten. Then I'm like, and that sneaks up on you, right? You're like, become a six-year-old all of a sudden. <laughs> but that's what, I, that's what I think of when it comes to a heart of stone, right? Nothing can penetrate. Nothing can appease. Nothing is let in because it's a callus, right? Even though it's a protective device, right? If we callous our hearts so that we won't be hurt, we also callous ourselves to good things, right? Like joy, like love, like compassion. And at the core of justice and compassion and mercy ministries is a soft heart, right? We talk about, oh, in the church we want to be woke. We want to think about... Um, other people, the poor, the marginalized, other races, those who are being oppressed. But if our hearts are hard, it's all, it's all like you're faking it, right? Because it has to come out of compassion, a soft heart. And the only way to do that is to do the work of asking, why is my heart stone in the first place, right? If we're in the church body and still those old things of like, oh, forget this place. Oh, I'm, uh, eh, bad taste. Like, there's that, you know, one worship leader playing guitar, singing the same songs. Like, <laughs> <just kidding. laughs> like whatever it is, right? Like, or, you know, those people are raising their hands. It's so fake. <laughs> like, Oh, the pastor thinks he's so cool, he uses a music stand, right? Instead of a pulpit, like, you want me to pull out that big pulpit there? Like, so hip, right? He wears these glasses, he's hipster, right? Why doesn't he just put on Converse All-Stars and, like, do a blog and a podcast? Like, <laughs> you're forgiven. <laughs> like, that, that cynicism, it's because... It's because we've hardened our hearts. In some ways, we've been burned by the church. And there's parts of our hearts that aren't ready for communi the community that God could give us. Amen? So I think we need to take some time in our lives even before we talk about moving forward or like even serving again or like being a part of something again to mourn, to mourn and to be honest about the pain and the loss, the friends we've lost, the people we've lost, the leaders who have disappointed us, right? The closeness with God that we've lost, right? And to just mourn that and say, I have a heart of stone, and only you, God, in the power of your spirit, blow wind and make these dry bones, which is, you know, chapter 37, make these dry bones live again. Breathe flesh 
into these crickety, dusty places in my heart. Right? What are those places of death in our lives, the seat of our hearts and emotions that keep us maybe from experiencing a renewed perspective, a renewed life. That's branding right there. Renewed life, renewed perspective, renewed church. Sorry. <laughs> So let's just take a couple minutes to sit in silence and ask, come Holy Spirit, come and give us hearts of flesh again, to believe again, to hope again, to dream again, to love again. We wanna move with you and we confess and we we admit that our hearts aren't ready, that there are places in our hearts that are stone, and we need you to come and soften us to make our hearts of stone, hearts of flesh, so we can love dangerously again, so we can follow you with all our hearts, so we can truly have compassion for your people, for your purposes in the world. We pray against um, the cynicism that's overtaking us, and we need you to put your healing ointment on the calluses of our hearts and slowly thaw, uh, empower us do a supernatural work, not by might, but by your spirit, O oh God. Thank you for everyone here, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to water uh, whatever seeds have been planted to grow, um, grow fruit, that there would be fruition of miracles. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.